Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by World on Fire, a new podcast from CBC Edmonton. World on Fire is a new five-part series that takes you to the front lines of -of out-of-control wildfires in Canada, Australia, and California. Recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic, hosts Adrian Lamb and Mike Flanagan look at what it takes to find hope in the midst of fear and destruction and how communities afflicted by wildfires rebuild. The series examines the high costs that wildfires cause to people's health, homes, and communities. Find World on Fire on the CBC Listen app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts. You can also find it online at cbc.ca slash world on fire. Well, hopefully everybody's having an okay week, wherever they happen to be listening to this latest episode. <laughs> it's July here, which means it's raining. <laughs> yeah, it's been an unusually rainy couple of weeks here. Normally, our rainy season is June, but it has extended into July. Yeah, it's been... June wasn't even that rainy. That's what I mean. Yeah. Normally, it's June. But for some reason, this year July. It's July. Yeah. It's, uh... And, you know, the, the best way to open any conversation is to talk about the weather. That definitely <laughs> means you have stuff to talk about. There is pertinent things to bring up when you just open with the weather. That is definitely not the smallest of small talk. Like, in the winter, we talk about how cold it is, but only when it's a really cold snap, because we're all complaining about it. This weather is weird, so yeah. I'm talking about it. And I mean, we're we're a very northern city, and so, like, it has to be pretty cold for us to complain about the cold in Edmonton. Oh, not me, but I'm special and yeah. whiny. It's true. I'm a wuss when it comes to the cold. I don't know why I live here. Well, it has not been cold. It's actually been, like, swampy and humid. Uh, for the last couple oh, weeks because of all the rain. That's why I live here, because it's normally very dry. It is normally quite dry. And when it gets humid and swampy, it's I'm miserable. It's very gross. We went to Disney World years some ago years now. ago. Yeah. And Disney oh. World is famously in a swamp. Yes. Because Florida is basically bayou. And uh, we stepped off the plane and Anita promptly nearly drowned. Um, <laughs> Look, Disney World... Made me very happy. It it was an awesome place to be. Florida makes me miserable. I am not built for that kind of weather. No. I was, I broke out in a heat rash on my hands. I was sweaty and tired all the time. We frequently had to get me some air conditioning. Thank goodness we were in Disney World. Where air conditioning was plentiful. Yeah, air conditioning was fairly readily available. All you had to do was go shopping. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring up Florida. <laughs> yeah. That because, was not on purpose. Because that's where our story happens to be taking us. And I guess we'll very soon find out if Beth uh, thinks that Florida is just as miserable as you do. But before we get into that, a brief recap of Chapter 17 of our novel. Yes. In which uh, Beth and Zan have a little victory tea at a local <laughs> coffee establishment. A victor tea? Sure. Huh? 
get into thinking once again about the mystery at hand and Beth begins to suspect that maybe Lewis wasn't being completely honest with Tilly when he confessed to stalking her, that maybe there's there's something more going on with what's going on with Flora, and ultimately she decides that she's perhaps found all the answers she's going to be able to find on Whittier Lane, and the time has come for her to cross the ocean. <laughs> and that is what ultimately results in her having a fight with Dom, and that kind of capped off chapter 17 of Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hanna. I believe it's called Crossing the Pond. So this chapter is a weird kind of interlude. Um, one that is unlike any other chapter that we've had so far in this novel. Yeah. This chapter is exactly two emails long. Yeah, and it is it is two emails. Yeah. Which, again, is, is a format we have not seen in this book. Mm -hmm. So it kind of jumped out. And that's why it really struck me as kind of interlude-y. Well, yeah, and it jumped out for a couple reasons. One is because it was written, it wasn't written from Beth's uh, head, mm -hmm. like everything else was. There was a font change so that we knew we were looking at text. Yep. And it was it was just two back and forth emails. That was it. But we haven't had any other interludes, really, Not in, in this, this book. book so no. this it really stands out. Quite so. Uh, it The first email is from Beth to Dom as she is delayed in the airport. Fun fact, we uh, learned the name of Beth's business. Yes. Trigger Point Therapy. I feel like there's something symbolic there, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Well, trigger points are used by RMTs to, it's a, it's a muscular thing. To help relieve tension. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And again, I feel like there's some symbolism there, but my brain is not quite latching onto it. Did you not think it was weird that they were using their business emails for this um, conversation? Well, I mean, that I would not be surprised if Beth's business email is her only email address. Because again, she's, a, she's not entirely a Luddite, but she's not exactly up to speed with all the fancy social medias. Yeah, but Dom? It's possible that Dom just mainly uses his work email. I guess. Dom also works from home, too, so it might also be his personal email. Also, I wonder why they're emailing and not texting. Well, because it's, I mean, an email... That an email might also be because Beth. ...is also suited to a longer format. That's fair enough. It's easier to send a lengthy email than it is to send a lengthy text. Fair enough. So, I actually, I'm kind of impressed with her typing skills on her broken phone, <laughs> uh, considering I presume she sent that email from her phone if she was sending it from the... She might not have. She might have a laptop her. with her. Could be. We we don't know what she's packed with her. But she is indeed at the airport. She is waiting for her flight to Florida. And the content to her email is kind of to follow up with Dom because apparently they did not leave on speaking terms. No. And maybe you don't want to get on a plane to fly across the ocean if you're not on speaking terms with your husband. Yeah. So you send him something... To try and make things better. Yeah. She kind of lays out that she doesn't feel that he's being particularly fair to her about this. This is the first very serious disagreement that they've had. And she says that should be fine. Like, couples disagree on things. This is the first time they've had a serious disagreement on anything. And that should, like, count for something. Yeah. Um, Dom apparently had made the case off page <laughs> that this 
trip to Florida was an unnecessary expense. And Beth is vehemently disagreeing with that point. She's like, no, something is going on. I need to find out what's happening one way or the other. And that's the only way I'm going to be able to move past this. And that means that this expenditure is very necessary because you're not the only one who wants everything to go back to normal. I do too, but things are never going to go back to normal for me until I have an answer is kind of her thesis here. Uh, yeah, basically. He got mad. She left anyway, right? So she's repeating her reasons for leaving, which is centered around her obsession. And it's basically like, I'm I'm going whether or not you like it. Please try to understand and hold down the fort while I'm gone. Yeah, that's kind of the gist of her email. Yeah, that's my synopsis. Yeah. Then we get Dom's reply to Beth. And he starts by apologizing for being angry at her and for giving her the silent treatment. And explains that basically at the end of the day, the thing for him most of all is that he cares more about her safety than he does about Flora's safety. And the idea of her confronting Louis Braid is frightening to him because he doesn't think that Louis is right. It's kind of the way he puts it. He's yeah. not right. And that he might be willing to do something harmful to Beth. And he's he's seriously and legitimately worried about that. Well, and that's fair, if you ask me. Yeah. He says... They used to be friends with the Braids, but that was back in the day when they didn't care that Lewis was problematic because they were young, they were careless, they were indiscriminate, and Lewis threw good parties. Mm -hmm. And so they were willing to overlook his more problematic side. But now that it's become a thing, potentially, maybe it's best to stay away. Yeah. So Dom is clearly in the abusive relationship camp. That's what he thinks is going on. Well, he posits that that might be the case. I don't know that he's fully on board that, but he's certainly willing to fully entertain that idea. And he's willing to say it's within Lewis's character. Yeah, based on how he's talking about it, I'm pretty sure of all the possibilities, this is the one Dom thinks is most likely, and that's where he's putting his chips. Though he does draw the line. He does say that while he could see Lewis's controlling tendencies having become worse over the years... And that that might explain Flora's weird reactions to Beth and all of the lying, that the two of them are trying to hide it from her. He doesn't believe that Lewis would harm children. That seems like a bridge too far, even for Lewis Bray. particularly monstrous. Yeah. And, and so Dom is kind of drawing the line at that point. So he's not worried about the kids' safety the same way that Beth is. He's not worried about Flora's safety the same way that Beth is. No, he's, he's worried about... still worried about Beth's safety. He's worried about Beth's safety. Yeah. He's worried that Beth is getting herself in too deep in a situation that she, frankly, and he's right about this, doesn't know enough about. Mm -hmm. Because most of what Beth imagines is going on is exactly that. It's her imagination. Yeah. As we established last chapter, a lot of the conclusions that she's drawn are based on scant or little evidence. Because she hasn't found much evidence. Oh, yeah. The whole She's last chapter was Beth and Zan just... Speculating. Yeah, speculating, coming up with random explanations for stuff that have no reason behind them. Yeah, Beth has found enough clues to confirm her suspicion that something maybe sinister is happening. But she doesn't have enough clues to confirm what that might be. Well, she was just applying speculation to... To everything without any any proof. Yeah. Plenty of theories. 
Very little to back it up. Very little proof. No explanations for anything. Yeah. Right? Nothing nothing they came up with was justified to explain something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, And uh, Dom kind of ends off his email basically just saying, come home soon. And that's more or less where the chapter ends off. A very short sort of interlude chapter. Yeah. Just a kind of a bridging point between Beth saying I need to go to Florida and her arriving in Florida. Presumably that's where we're going to pick up next chapter. Yeah. Unless something happens on the plane. This feels like uh, like an act break. Well, we are right? um, We are 66% of the way through the book. <laughs> uh, exactly. Goodreads, Goodreads calculator? So we, uh, but, well, because I updated my page count on Goodreads. Yeah. Uh, and that is exactly where we're at. So we are, in fact, entering the back third of the book. So yeah. what would perhaps be called Act 3 or the climax? Yeah. So, yeah, it is kind of an act break for us. Yeah, like an obvious one, <laughs> even. Something jumped out at me this chapter that I want to bring up, and it's just because it's it's not sitting right with me from a from a narrative standpoint. Okay. Beth mentions that she sent word to her clients that she was taking an impromptu vacation to Florida, and everyone was just super duper with it, and she expects that she's not going to lose any clients from this. And I don't. That didn't sit right with you? And that didn't sit right with me because it feels like there's it feels like there's no consequences in this novel so far for Beth's obsession with what's going on with the braids. She keeps getting a pass from Dom, even though he he continues to push back against her, he he continuously relents. He always relents. He does in this chapter. He relents. He's mm-hmm. like, We cool, do your thing, come back safe. And her business isn't suffering. So her marriage isn't suffering from her obsession and her business isn't suffering from her obsession because her clients are just like, oh, you need to cancel again for another two weeks okay. after after having just canceled things for the last two weeks. Sounds good to me. You have a good time, you. And yeah, it's just it's not sitting right with me that Beth's obsession with the braids doesn't like at first it looked like in the early part of this novel that her personal life might suffer for her desire to find out what's going on and at this point again two-thirds of the way through the book she keeps getting a pass for it yeah and there is no personal consequence to her for uh pursuing this there hasn't been any personal consequence to her for pursuing this well maybe it's still coming that's possible and i mean she might she might be putting herself in physical danger right away that's a very distinct possibility might be right i'm not saying that she should suffer consequences because she's wrong, she might very well be right that something terribly wrong is going on with the braids. That certainly seems to be the trajectory we're going on at the moment. I'm just saying that her obsession hasn't come with any consequences, it seems. She hasn't lost any clients, no. But she has lost business. She's taken time off, which means she hasn't been working. And if she doesn't work, she doesn't make money. Just because there isn't immediate consequence doesn't mean there isn't consequence. And yes, Dom keeps giving her a pass... And letting this go, but you can tell that it's wearing on him, even if he hasn't broken yet. Oh, very much so. And he, I think the reason he's giving in so much is because he would also just like it to be over. And if this is what it takes to get things over with, then he's willing to deal with it. Well, and you're right. Maybe the severity of them will increase as we move into the third act of the uh, of the thriller. And who knows, maybe her further consequences lie in Florida. Maybe this is a terrible idea. Oh no, it almost certainly is a terrible idea. Uh 
let's run down the ways in which this is a terrible <laughs> idea very quickly. She's put herself into a foreign environment that she's not familiar with. Yep. She's separated herself from her support network, which yep. is her family and her husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's walking directly into a situation that she honestly knows little to nothing about. True. Involving a person who she and her husband both agree is potentially dangerous. Yes. Yeah, no, this is a terrible idea from top to bottom. Do you think that Dom is right, that it's Beth's plan to just accuse Lewis Braid to his face of something? I don't know that she's going to, because she hasn't, up to this point, actually confronted Flora or Lewis. Well, she can't find Flora. Well, no, but she's spoken to her on the phone. Granted, off camera, but still. Yes, where... I believe, if I remember correctly, Flora dismissed the whole, oh, no, that couldn't have been me. Yeah. What you saw was not what you saw. Beth hasn't confronted the caters. She hasn't confronted the braids. And so I don't know that she would necessarily do so at this juncture without something, without some proof, Mm. some tangible evidence to back up her claim. See, I think, again, I think she has... Well, maybe a hypothesis is a better word for it than a theory uh, that she just hasn't told us about yet. The other reason why I don't think she'd accuse Lewis without tangible evidence is because she's already been given the runaround by both the Braids and the Caters. Frequently. Several yep. runarounds. And so if she just goes and is like, you're hiding something from me, Lewis will laugh it off and lie to her. She has nothing to put him in check with, if that makes sense. Mm. And she needs she needs to have something to corner him with. And be like, here's incontrovertible proof that you can't just deny. You yeah. can't lie Explain about Explain this. this. Explain this to me. And until she has that, and I think that's one of the reasons she's going to Florida, because she feels like she can find something tangible there. If Lewis has been living there, if Flora has been living there, if the uh, OG Thomas and Emily have been living there, there must be some proof, right? One would assume. Of something, at yeah. least. Or even the opposite. If there's no proof that they've ever lived there, if Florida has been, like, invented from whole cloth, <laughs> then that in itself is also proof. I went to Florida. You don't exist in Florida. So what's up with that? Yeah, why? Yeah. So, like, one way or the other, she's going to have something she can confront them with. Mm-hmm. Can we can we back up a second to Dom's belief, at least, in the abusive relationship? Let's say even if the braids are in an abusive relationship, and we don't know that they are. Mm-hmm. But for the purposes of this, let's say they are. That doesn't explain why the caters exist in the combination of Dom's theory and best experiences. Okay, so the braids have an abusive relationship. What is the point of this secondary family, the caters? Like many of the theories that have been floated by Beth or Dom or Zan during the course of this novel, it has holes. And the caters are so one of those. Holes. And the caters are one of those holes. Uh, if it's if it's as simple as just Flora's being controlled by Lewis, who's a terrible control freak, and it's turned into a very manipulative relationship, and he's got her completely under his thumb. Why are the caters involved? That is my question. So many times over. Or more spe- more specifically, why is Kevin Cater and Yanina, who may or may not be with him, right? Involved. There's there's no real explanation for as to why that might be the case. Right. Next thing I'm confused about. Beth is positive that Flora still lives in Whittier Lane. Yep. But she is going to Florida 
to why? To prove that Flora is or is not there. Well, in theory, Lewis is at least in Florida. Right. And the OG Thomas and Emily are in Florida. Right. But again, my my theory does presuppose that maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. But Beth is confident that when Flora phoned her the other day, she phoned from Florida. But we have established that you can call forward. Like, that is a that is a real technology that exists. Yeah, but you she was can, with Lewis. You can spoof your number. But if Lewis was in England, they could have a fake number from Florida that right. they're calling from from England. Okay, so she's going to Florida to either prove that they are or are not there. Well, I again, as I mentioned previously, that is certainly one of the possibilities. Mm -hmm. Either they're there and there's potentially some evidence to be found that might prove that something weird is going on, or they're not there, which is in itself proof that something weird is going right. on. <laughs> She's looking for proof of teenagers, I think. I'm legitimately starting to think that there's two Floras, in the same way that there's two Thomases and two Emilies. Well, I mean, you... <laughs> Your I know, my solid theory. theory so far has been clones. So it's, That is a very unsolid theory. I'll have you know. I'm, let me rephrase that. Your most solid theory. <laughs> uh, yeah. So just the same thing keeps popping up over and over again. Why? Why any of this? Why? But we still don't know. Of we haven't. We, don't know. we honestly haven't been given enough clues yet. Or certainly if we have been given clues, and we may have been given enough clues, we don't have a glimpse of the whole picture yet. At least I don't. If, I know I don't. If we're going to liken this back to the word is murder, we haven't gone to the theater school yet. Ah, yes. Because it was when, if for those of you who uh, who have not read the word is murder yet. He's referenced and not, several books ago. And not followed us through that novel, then this is like, spoiler alert. Um, and I'll, I'll try to not completely spoil that. But at one point we go to a theater school and that gives us a picture that we can then put the pieces together to. And that's that's where we, reading the book, had our aha moment. And we just, I don't think, have had that aha moment yet in this well, novel. Fair enough. Where you had the aha moment. I I didn't solve that murder. You did. Again, copious notes. It helps. Mm. But yeah, we, we haven't had that moment in this book yet. So we may have all the clues. We just don't know what we're looking at. Right. <laughs> this seems to be the underlying tone of all of our episodes through this book is that we have no idea what's going on yet. Yeah. And it's I how mean, I read this whole book kind of confused because I just can't seem to put things together. It's a psychological thriller, so it might end with us still not knowing what's going on. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it might. Who we... knows? Indeed. Oh, my brain. Anyway, uh, with that said, and having stretched out this uh, rather short chapter into a rather normal-sized episode, <laughs> uh, we'll kind of wrap it up for there. You're going to want to read up on chapter 19. 19, indeed, in time for next week, when hopefully we'll be in Florida. Until then, you know, there are many, many sponsors for the Alberta Podcast Network. Amongst them, really one of the first and most supportive sponsors that we've had as part of the network is ATB Financial. Uh, and they offer many initiatives and programs to help everyday Albertans get a bit of a leg up. Mm, and I have something to read about it. There's nothing like the feeling of putting a smile on someone's face. Enter ATB Goodness Grows, where one act of goodness can create a chain reaction across the province. Through Goodness Grows, ATB will be creating moments where Albertans can come together for a smile. Want to join in? Simply follow the hashtag 
ATB Goodness Grows on social media to see all the goodness growing across Alberta. Follow along, get inspired, and help share the goodness. Thank you for editing that into something coherent. Hey, that's what I do. <laughs> uh, you can, of course, check out uh, all of the various and varied podcasts that are part of the Alberta Podcast Network on our website, the network website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. Yes, easy to find. We're also all available on essentially your podcatcher of choice. It's true. Yeah. Um, that includes us. Absolutely. And while you're there, I don't know, maybe... Maybe give us a little rating. Maybe a review. That'd be, that'd be nice. I don't know why my voice got so high. I don't know why either. It <laughs> sounds very much like you're begging. I know. We're not. We're not. We're just giving a suggestion. <laughs> it, I mean, it does help us out. So of course. We appreciate it. If you want to get a hold of us directly, we are available on uh, assorted social media. It's true. We have the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Facebookses, and the Goods Reads. Yes, you speak... I, I talk good English. Uh, if you talk good English and want to send us a lengthier message, you can do so. Uh, I mean, even if you don't speak English, uh, we can use Google Translate. Oh, it'll be a fun ride, though. Hopefully we'll understand what you sent to us. Uh, you can get a hold of us via email. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. I done talked real good. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com.